Hey everybody, welcome back for, as far as you're concerned, take one. Uh, That's right, we've episode. never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're back. Uh, we got something cool for you guys. We're going to do a continuation. Yes. We've never done one of those before. Yep, part two. Of the separation of church and state. That's and right. Then we're going into taxes. And if you watched last week's show, you would already know that. Correct. You have to keep uh, on these, otherwise you won't know what's happening in subsequent episodes. Correct. Try to place those little seeds to keep you interested. So, yeah, this will be a good one. We need segue music. Yeah. Because I would say, but first, and then it would go like... Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. How was your week? It's literally been a week. I think it would be great, too, if it was like that 70s, like, daytime show music was... Da, 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 yeah, man. Da, da, yeah, yeah. You, you get it completely, is what yeah, I'm saying. I'm here, yeah. that, that should be it. Like a little segue like into this. Yeah, I'll work on that. So yeah, exactly a week, which that's cool. That's exciting too. Yeah, I don't know if you back my life. Shut the, your mouth. What? I don't know. What? It hasn't been just a oh, week. sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, wait, what? What happened? <laughs> In case you didn't know, everything that we were looking at before is now on our right. Yeah. So if we're glancing to the right, that's because we're to the right. Yeah, it's very strange. But we have a nice backdrop. It's less busy. Uh, we're, we're, we're figuring things out. Yeah, and we're working on a new mic. Eventually, we'll be talking into this mask. <laughs> yeah, and there'll be eyes that light up. Yeah, and then it'll, eventually it'll come to life. Oh, hey, I wrote it out. right up here. Episode 26. Oh, yeah. Big, big things. 26. Yeah. I like it. You know, maybe for 30, we'll see if we can name them all. Mm. I can't. <laughs> I was gonna say I predict I will yeah. not do that well. Yeah, I mean I'll even study a little bit. I still don't think I'll do great. I mean I could memorize anything, but if you asked me to do it right now, I'd probably come up with like ten, ten-ish. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't matter, but there's so much that goes into each one. I sort of like pack it away, stick it to the back. Church and State Part Two. Correct. I know. I know. I was like looking at my phone and like seeing the tabs that were still open from last week's show. Yeah. And I was like, incorporation doctrine. So I've reread things and you reread them. You're like, I swear this is from it. Oh, yeah, I read this. Yep. You're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Some of it's nice. Some of it's nice. I'm going to do this early in the show. Crack one open. <laughs> Start the weekend early. A nice, cool, refreshing seltzer water. Lemon lime. Mm. Lemon lime flavor. Zero calories. They really are nice. Yeah, I don't like the ones with sugar in there. I mean, not because I don't like sugar. <clears throat> I just, they are, it's weird. Well, if you drink it a bunch, it, like, I feel like you get that taste of, like, the syrup in your mouth. So I like, I, I like crisp. I'm a kind of crazy person that scrapes frosting off of cake, so I don't like super sweet things. I mean, like. probably good for my health. <clears throat> yeah, I'm the same here. I remember I wrestled briefly in high school, and uh, we went to a meet, and they gave me like five bucks to go get something from McDonald's next to the school, because it was like an all-day thing. And I got pancakes with no syrup, with no butter, and my coach was like, this kid is taking it serious. Yes. Like, no. Meanwhile, you're rolling home. You're whipping out a freaking stick of cheese and putting it in a tortilla, a little flour tortilla, rolling that mofo up. And that's what you eat for like years. Literal years. <laughs> the cheese would change. 
but, but the tortilla would not. <laughs> uh, see, and that's what was sad. It was Aztec home style. For a while, didn't you eat bread? Like, you would take bread and just eat plain bread, like mash up or something? Yeah, I still am not against doing that. It's yeah. great. Uh, me either. I mean, I, I get it, but... Yeah. You had a very interesting palate and diet. Yeah, that's why I looked like a skeleton most of high school, though. Correct, you rounded out. <laughs> yeah. You filled out a little bit. I have a lot of it, but that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah. since it passed a week, my yeah. turn to ask, how was your week? Uh, I, You know, it doesn't even feel like it's been a week. It feels like it was like yesterday. Right yeah, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, um, class has picked up, and, and um, I'm doing a publishing class, and it's, the guy said it was going to be bad the first two weeks, and lived up to that like fully lived up to that <laughs> bad bad this is how we're going to pre preface this class i know it was just it was crazy we had to track down income source uh all the income sources Don't for a song this. yes but it was a really neat neat uh it was a neat experiment and we got to we got some access to numbers because he was involved with the catalog so i don't want to like name songs or anything right. but the song in question um like source revenue like just from itself generated like an insane amount of money like 22 million dollars so you were able to actually track it down yeah that was my question was how do you actually figure this out well he gave us some figures to play with some of it set like you know like there's a mechanical rate which is 9.1 cents per like digital download and stuff like that so some of those numbers are pretty easy to get and kind of figure out what they are as far as spotify and stuff they he told us don't even mess with that spotify's pay algorithm changes like moment to moment <laughs> and it's different country to country how do they manage a contract with an artist if they're paid hmm. but they probably put in the contract that their pay algorithm is subject to change without notice and whoever has else legalese so um <clears throat> this is like uh, i can't i mean i don't know the specifics but let's say like um let's say it's like one of the big record industries and they're going to allow their artists to be played on spotify They'll put in there that says, hey, when, when somebody is streaming, I want X number of plays from our record label in that. So, <laughs> there's some... There's finagling going yeah, on. Yeah, you may feel like you're getting an organic playlist, playlist yeah. but it's not as organic as you may Oh, expect. yeah. Well, it, there's clear... Oh, like certain, um, especially like Pandora, that's my go-to, has been forever. I never changed. Pandora is another similar one. So, Guaranteed I, plays... Yeah. So I know, like when I like salsa, sometimes mm -hmm. I listen to salsa music when I'm working and cleaning in the house, and it will play so many. Um, it'll not just play the same song if you give it long enough, or like if I play it on one weekend and then play it the next weekend, I'll hear the same song in that playlist again. So mm -hmm. what you're saying makes sense, but I'll hear different renditions of the same artist of the same song, or different artists of the same song being covered. Mm -hmm. There's this one song called, I'm not going to get in trouble with YouTube or anything by naming a song on no, here. No, no, no. There's a song, a salsa song, shout out to you salsa listeners, uh, named Yo No Se Mañana, mm -hmm. which is actually a really good song. You should listen to it. It'll, it. You would like it. Maybe some of the listeners would like it. But <clears throat> that song is played. There's one guy I like that does it really well. And then the, all the other ones I'm like, it's like second to that dude. Yeah. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah. Salsa segue. Probably sure it's going to make money every time that plays regardless. Label will do in some regards. Good for them. Yeah. 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 So you're in the thick of it. I'm in the thick of it. 
<laughs> it's crazy, but I'm excited. So like I'm trying to put a little class together to offer to musicians starting off too, where they can learn just kind of the basic ins and outs and how to start making money with their music now from whatever town, whatever they're at. So mm -hmm. more on that later, a little side project. Right. Uh, how was your week? Like you, the week, it blurs together the days. Yep. My issues mainly, oh, and see, you're in school, and so your schedule is jam-packed with kids and school and homework and trying to find carve out time for yourself and all that, which I get is ridiculous. Mine is more of a cramming in of things. I'm starting a new job, so I'm like trying to get things cleaned up, and um, there's a lot of things on my mind. I'm not sleeping well, so it's just yeah. one of those deals, you know? Once the wheels start turning. Yeah. Yeah, and my daughter scared the hell out of me this morning at about three thirty, and I didn't sleep since then. So you're getting you're getting round two, Brent, right here. Yeah, yeah, I have that issue as well. And like I, I'm, I am, I think I'm in a minority of this, but like I like a TV on when I sleep. Yeah, I don't. I don't like. I like a fan. I need yeah. white noise, but not a TV turned down low, where I can. If I had the TV on, I'd probably like put the blanket like close to my face so I could block some of the light. Mm -hmm. But I can fall asleep with the TV on like that. If it's on on like a movie playing loud, I'm like, no way, I'll never fall asleep. <clears throat> yeah, no, my wife, like that's, it's so funny. Like she's like, I can't sleep with the TV on. Yet every night we try to watch a movie together. I seemingly yeah, watch her fall asleep. You guys literally have watched movies going to bed and TV on since we were kids. That was me. She didn't. She made a you sacrifice did. for me. Freaking, I remember several people i won't name them because it may not be kind to name but anyways one of the individuals slept with the radio on like loud like listening loud i'm like <laughs> laying there all night long i'm just like i'm never gonna sleep this is fucking crazy yeah i i know many people but you've been to my house remember we were kids it's yeah. over. my parents had all those damn clocks i was yeah. used to I know. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> There's like eight of them going on. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it now. That's for sure. It's it's those times have passed. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah, see. I like so right now. Like Harry's at the point where he can get out of bed by himself, and he'll come and get in bed with us. And like the TV will keep him up. So like I've turned the everything down to like as black as I can get it. You know, oh. so like there's not much brightness. Black it out, yeah. And then I like try to just read the subtitles and play it on like one, like volume one or two, so you can like kind of pick up. But it's almost not good enough because like as soon as I close my eyes, I really don't hear the sound, and then it's like we'll start turning again. And... Yeah, no, no, I get it. Like when I tried to go back to sleep this morning, everyone was snoring in my room, mm -hmm. the dogs and my wife, God love her. And so I decided to move on over to the next room where there's a comfortable bed. But my issue was the app I have on my phone that's for a fan. I used to use it religiously for when I traveled. And it got me through. Like traveling, I never slept well anyway. But I mean, just do what you got to do. That app, it's a thing where between low and medium in the volume, you got to find the sweet spot of enough white noise to equal what I usually get. And then like... And then in the room we're at, where like there's boxes up because she's setting up a crafting area. And like, you know, you glance over and it's like, what the F is that black thing over there? And then you realize what it is. And then I showed you the picture of my daughter in her ghostly. That's terrifying. Apparition setup. And 
walking into that will make a person about want to crap their pants. So, but yeah, yeah, I know. So sleep was not forthcoming. Kids don't even know how terrifying they, they can care. be. Honestly, they don't care. They think it's hilarious to scare the crap out of you. If they get a real genuine scare, they love it. I feel like speaking of, I have to check on my children real quick since we're here. Yeah, make sure all is well. That's terrifying. You know. No, we're good. When we cover our old songs, cover when we redo our old songs, we should yeah. redo all as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna write some different lyrics to that. You should. <laughs> yeah, you should. I don't know if that's a funny story or not. I think it's a funny story. Uh, you know so what? <laughs> that could be like a segment we do in the show. We're gonna, we're gonna pitch an idea here for you folks. That could be a segment for the show where we like when we get into the thick of that mm-hmm. we have like all right we're gonna talk five minutes about what we're doing with this and yeah maybe laugh a little bit about some yeah. of the that's a good idea we'll break like actually get the guitars off the wall and stuff oh my gosh jam out that was yeah those were amazing times man when we read a book and i'll stop after this because we got a show to do but we read a book uh one of the ken follett books mm-hmm where one of the characters talks about like the old times and how good times never come back. I don't think that's the right way of putting it because it's not that good times never come back. It's that it's not possible for those times and that exact set of circumstances and variables to ever recreate itself. Mm-hmm. Like we'll never be back in our parents' house. We'll never not have kids. We'll never not have significant others, even though your significant other is still the same from that time frame. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, God, if I did it over again, some of the people we were associating with, I would not even come near if I knew as much as I know. Same. So um, it just, it's different. Like, I feel about it somewhat like that. Like, good times never come back, but it's just those times. And I I treasure those moments because those were, like, defining, like, looking back, like, man, we, we, without even knowing it, and our kids are going to do the same thing, which is scary as hell to me. We made, we set the courses of our lives mm-hmm. and just, I don't even think we all knew what we were doing. Even yeah. when we thought we were playing adult. Yeah, that guitar that's behind Brent in the far corner it was the very first guitar I ever got. It's a classical guitar. It has the widest fret. I'm just not, I'm not a big guy. You know, I, and I wasn't a big guy when I got that guitar. I was eighth grade. And that thing was a, yeah. Big pain in the butt for me to play. I know. I thought I would never play bar chords. <laughs> and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like if I could still love music after like that, <laughs> you know, it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do keep that. I never play it. It needs some fixing up. But um, Oh, man, you should see my LTV. Yeah. It'd make me cry. It almost made me cry. Uh, she needs some work. She yeah. needs some TLC. She'll be moved upstairs eventually, too, with... Get the humidifier and the dehumidifier. They, that's just it. I, I had dehumidification, but I feel like when it was at my parents' house for those years, it got neglected. Yeah. So she needs a clean. Those cases aren't always conducive to that either, too. Oh, man. it's Who knows what happened to that thing before I even had it. It's yeah. rough. Right. It's rough looking. <laughs> so, shall we dive into our topic yeah. for this episode? Yeah. Take us, uh, take us away, good sir. All right, man. Well, we're going to shove off here. And um, so <clears throat> we left off. We didn't leave off the discussion last time exactly um, at this point. But when we got into the church and state stuff, um, you know, we had you had talked. You specifically had gotten into the Everson versus the Board of Education, that case that was dealing 
uh, with New Jersey law that had allowed the government to pay for transportation of students to both public and Catholic schools. Sure. So we got into that. Um, and so we talked about there's so much more to this to unpack. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot. And what I've tried to do. Can, can we tell them how much it is to unpack? Each each Supreme Court case that I got was at least ninety pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I cheated. Did you? Yes. How did you cheat? So I found several source articles and things that I will gladly share with the, our listening audience. Yeah, they'll be down below the video. Um, and came up with three solid pages of notes. That's awesome. And that this is a skimming of the Brent likes this yeah. title of case. Sure. So there's there's more. And yeah, those those actual case briefings are brutal. I mean, you're talking to a person who is actually willingly going to be a contract administrator, like working through legalese every day. And even I get into this stuff and I'm like, yeah. I just cannot be, I cannot be, I, I couldn't know. be a constitutional it's, lawyer. It's pretty much all just citing precedents, which is the only thing I found Precedent nice. on precedent on precedent. Right. Some of them start to lend themselves <clears throat> to. You can figure out what's going, where it's headed. Yeah. Because some of them quote the same darn cases, which is cool, but they. They don't quote the same part of the case. Correct. Yeah. And they can, it's almost, uh, it, so speaking of which, an appropriate segue would be with the, um, the SCOTUS nomination yeah. uh, hearings going on today. So to today that. is the, uh, the, te- the 12th of uh, October. Um, so those started and sort of like today, uh, you get into where People get into the long history of the court and they start talking about how um you know the court is it's independent from political sway and it doesn't fall in line even the amy uh, coney barrett yeah who uh was talking she had a chance to talk today she said that you know justices are held to a different standard i'm not i'm paraphrasing shouldn't be making policy correct yeah um but i sent you a snippet from someone who was upset about in my opinion, this ramrod process, um, and again, that's just my opinion, but this individual stated something to the effect of <clears throat> if the Democrats suggested uh, adding more seats to the court, it would just be to offset and, quote, unquote, in their words, balance out the courts because of all the, <laughs> the nominations I that know. have been pushed through. Every time the Republicans uh, talk, dude, it's like that. We put it through, We, we uh, you, I'm sorry, you brought, you put it to the audience before when we were talking about yeah. Trump's Trump's legacy. Yeah. And it will be the, the judiciary. I mean, shoot, there's a lady uh, on a federal bench now in Florida who's 33. She's my age. So if I was on the federal bench, oh, I mean, granted, Think about how lofty that'd be for someone. I don't feel old enough to be on the bench like that. I'm going to get my butt through law school. <laughs> you have to. You need to be on the federal appeals court of something. Going God, for dude, it. you could be on the Supreme Court. Going for it. Yes. Yeah. Now that. Look for it. Yeah. Get your autographs now. Me and Chelsea are having a race <laughs> to Harvard. Because <laughs> uh, it's funny. Because we both, like, I, I, I definitely want to apply uh, for law school there. And no hopes of getting it um but i want to say i did it and uh then chelsea was looking to do uh i don't remember some kind of testing or something but before oh it's uh online teaching but that's for university where you have to have a certification in online oh. education okay and so she found that harvard 
does a class. Of course they do. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to make it to Harvard before you. I'm like, that's, that's not fair. It's not fair at all. Talk about your spouse, like, sneaking in behind your guard. Oh, dude. Sticking no. the knife in. The next day, she sends me screenshots because she's getting calls from Boston. And it's Harvard calling to try to recruit her to come to these online certification classes. And Trouble in the household. Yeah, right. All right, well, we're going to segue back for this explode into something else. Um, so we, we've been talking about the Everson versus Board of Education, and, um, and I'm not going to dig back into that one because you did a pretty good, you did a good job, not a pretty good job. You did a good job of unpacking that. The cliff notes are important here, so please bear with me. Um, so taking a step forward, so Everson versus the Board of Education, that was back in 1947. So you, you go forward, you know, a little more than a decade, decade and a half, you get to 1962, um, <clears throat> where the Supreme Court is now going to be addressing the issue of officially sponsored prayer or religious uh, recitifications, not rec recitations, God, mm. I'm terrible tonight, forgive me folks, oh, yeah. um, in public schools. And so the, the case I'm referencing is Engel uh, versus Vitale, I'm going to that's probably bad. It's probably wrong. I got a lot of those um, too, buddy. Yeah. So basically, they determined at that point in their decision that it was unconstitutional for state officials to compose an official school prayer and require its recitation uh, in public schools, even when the prayer is non-denominational and students may excuse themselves from participation. Huh. Yeah. You're going to see, because that, if you, if you think about it, it makes sense. But it doesn't quite sound, it doesn't quite jive with maybe some of the things you've experienced. Right. And that we're going to get into further in these other cases. You will see that it's sort of like in our first discussion on this. I'm sorry, I keep hitting the table, folks. Um, and I keep hitting my cup. I know. <laughs> that chime is like a signal, isn't it? Move on. <laughs> well, and last week, we, we put so much effort into like framing a new shot, giving you new, something new to look at. And then I find out that. Oh, and then we moved the mic halfway through, and yep. then we had a camera fall. Well, then we find out that this mic wasn't even picking up the audio last week. It yeah. was all that. It was just... So anyways, uh, we're not going to do that anymore. No. Uh, we need a producer. Yeah, and probably some different equipment, but we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, that's next. Yeah. Sorry, Brent. No, no, it's all good. So, I mean, it... so you, get, you have this situation where they're saying, okay, school officials can't, you know, set up a school prayer, an official school prayer, prayer for recitation in uh, the, the school setting, even if, the, even if it's not like calling out a specific yeah. religion or it's required. Um, sort of like when we, were, when we were kids, the Pledge of Allegiance, I don't think, was required, but pretty much everybody did it. Yeah, I mean, when you're a kid, like you don't have. You're indoctrinated, man. It's part of the rigmarole principle. We didn't like, think anything of it. No. I pledge allegiance to the flag. I bet you could say it right now without even questioning. Well, of course I could, but. Like, I, you I remember. You like, were indoctrinated. The dogma lives strong in you, Chris. Early 2000 songs, too. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, man. It means a lot, Chris. <laughs> so, um, uh, okay, where am I at here? Uh, so, the, the back to the case. Uh, basically, the prayer was struck down because it was a violation of the Establishment Clause, because that prayer was composed by government officials as part of a governmental program and by what they're trying to do, just having it being recited to further religious beliefs. 
And so basically they're saying that that system breaches the constitutional quote unquote wall of separation between church and state. Now, granted, we talked about last time how that wall is more of like a gray no man's land of a battlefield. Correct. Um, you sent me up so good for that last week and I missed it. It's just, it's hard, man. It, it's There's a lot to this. When you get into the, the thick of it too. Yeah. You start to think to yourself, okay, separation of church and state, it's not the Berlin Wall. It's more like this, what do we want to make of it? Yeah, there's and there's a, a conflict built, built in the free exercise clause. Oh, yeah, because we have a right to religious freedom, but we don't have the right, the right to recite that freedom as part of a sanctioned event, as part of a government-sponsored activity. Right, right. By what we just said in 1962. Right. So yes, why you? Yeah. So there is a rule where we say there isn't going to be a special rule, and I I think it's interesting. Yeah. So uh, basically, the the court at that time was saying that it's no part of the business of the government to compose official prayers for any group of the American people to recite as part of a religious program carried out by the government. Hmm. So shifting pages here. Shifty, shifting. Uh, Nice front back, man. That's nice. I'm trying to conserve paper. This will be recycled at some point, probably, too. Uh, The court at that time noted it's a matter of history that this very practice of establishment, governmentally, of establishing governmentally composed prayers for religious services, was one of the reasons which caused many of our early colonists to leave England and seek religious freedom in America. Hey, have you said that prayer they came up with? Yeah, right. No, it's bloody terrible. <laughs> I believe it. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that's just it, man. So that's a great point, though. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the, the pilgrims left and they came here for mainly religious freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that's, to go against that and force someone to recite a, a prayer, prayer is like, yeah. just, you know, right in the face, flying in Correct. the face of that. Sure. Um, so we move forward uh, six years, Epperson versus Arkansas. At this point, the court is now going to consider an Arkansas law that made it a crime to teach the theory or doctrine that mankind ascended or descended from a lower order of animals. Or, <laughs> yep, to adopt or use any such institution, a textbook that teaches this theory for any school or university that has received public funds. So basically they're saying you can't teach evolution if you make, if you get money from us. So they made that a law in Arkansas. The court then said they ruled that the Arkansas law was violating the Constitution, the constitutional prohibition of state laws respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And they were saying that the overriding fact is that Arkansas's law at that time selects from the body of knowledge of a particular segment, which it prescribes as the sole reason that is deemed to con- conflict with a particular religious, religious doctrine. So they're saying um, evolution conflicts with Christianity's theory of the beginning of humanity, and therefore it's illegal. And so they're saying that with that particular interpretation, the book of Genesis is that doctrine. Yeah. Um, so the court held that, again, the Establishment Clause prohibits the state from advancing any religion and that the state has no legitimate interest in protecting any or all religions from views distasteful to them. Mm-hmm. So it, they could have picked anything. It didn't have to be 
the book of Genesis, like they're saying, the traditional Christian view of origin. Yeah. It could have been anybody's. You know what I mean? It could be the Islam, Hindu, yeah. any of them. They would. That's still it, that I think that gets to the heart of what the court's all about: applying the law uniformly. Correct. It's supposed to apply fairly to all of us, regardless of what you are, who you, and who you are. Oh man, that's scary. There was a. Uh, and what is this? 1968. Oh man. Yeah. What were they thinking? You know, like. I don't even know. I don't. Well, you're talking to Arkansas. This is the South. Back, I mean, very conservative. <clears throat> not that Arkansas is not conservative now, but I mean, I think that you're you're, you're getting into the, the the Jim, you know, forgive me, but Jim Crow South, where right. there was a lot of people who did not want to see anything buck the system. Uh, so now we're going to get into some some interesting stuff here. Um, at least I think so. So 1971, there was Lemon versus uh, Kurtzman. And at this point, the court was looking at the Pennsylvania state policy of reimbursing the salaries <clears throat> and related costs of teachers of secular subjects in a private religious school. And they were saying that that violated the Establishment Clause. <clears throat> sure. So the court's decision basically said that separation of church and state is never absolute. So now we're getting into the, the gray area again. So in prior holdings... Uh, it wasn't that we've been talking about so far. They never just flat out said, they never talked about a total separation between church and state. Uh, and the court at this time in 71 was saying it's not possible in the absolute sense, which that sort of makes sense. But if you're not going to apply it a hard and fast rule, then I think in 71 you hit a, a pivotal turning point where this gets blown up. Yeah. Um, and so basically they're saying that uh, judicial caveats against entanglement must recognize that the line of separation, far from being a quote-unquote wall, is blurred. It's a gray area, just like we've been saying. <laughs> Indistinct and variable barrier depending upon all the circumstances of a particular relationship. Hi. So the court's What's that gray thing going down the middle? Yeah, man, it's not the Berlin Wall. It's just like this void where you're like, well, we can jump across that sucker right and left. Uh. And the, the court even said in this opinion that and it's a variable barrier variable barrier depending on all of the circumstances of a particular relationship so it is subject to the terms of a particular instance making up the rules as we go along which sure. is the law yeah but isn't that crazy do you know who the chief justice was on that oh, i don't know it's not in here i understand probably was Rehnquist. that guy was around forever Ugh, goodness. i don't know um so basically since this point in 71 the Supreme Court has applied a three-pronged test to determine whether the government action uh, it uh, violates the Establishment Clause. And this is called the Lemon Test. Ooh. Yeah. Not Lemon Law, but Lemon Test. So first, to, uh, the first piece of this test is the law or policy must have been adopted with a neutral or non-religious purpose. Okay. Second, the principle or primary effect must be one that neither advances nor inhibits religion. And third, the statute or policy must not result in an excessive entanglement of government with religion. So it just, it, it can't do any of those. Correct. Failure to meet any of these criteria is proof that the statute or policy in question violates the Establishment Clause. Wow. So at least they define some rules behind their subject to the particular circumstances of the situation. Gosh, what do you think the person did that made Lemon so mad? 
Who knows? I know. Um, so we're going to fast forward a lot here. So that was back in 71. <clears throat> 2002. Uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals basically held that in a decision that a classroom uh, recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance mm -hmm. in a California public school was unconstitutional, even when even when students were not compelled to recite it due to the inclusion of the phrase under God. So they could say, I don't want to do it because it's, it's got the phrase under God in it. Um, that one it doesn't make sense to me. So the Ninth Circuit said that's that's unconstitutional because even though they don't have to say it even though it has under god in it we're going to say it's unconstitutional it violates the establishment clause so they okay. they said that so elk grove unified school district versus new uh, which that's what made its way up to the supreme court <clears throat> basically was overturned in june 2004 um, and it was only overturned on a procedural ground because um the the parent that actually sued on behalf of his daughter didn't have custody of her and so he didn't have legal standing to sue that the the pledge of allegiance was unconstitutional yeah that's what i meant uh that's the part that didn't make sense to me yeah you know, yeah i you know i get it i get so it they, they he, basically if he would have been the illegal guardian the person it would have been they couldn't have ruled that right. way and the problem they is have like, it out. it's like the third mm -hmm. one right it's the intermingle intermingling correct the entanglement entanglement excuse yep. me Yep, excessive entanglement. And that's just it. I think that that you'll see in not just the Supreme Court, but in a lot of judicial proceedings, they are able to pull the ripcord and, you know, get out of situations where they seemingly are backed into the corner because it's sort of like back in medieval times where it was just because we're the church, you guys, whatever I say is God's will. Right. It's the church. It's the, the court's will. Right. I mean, they're making, they are literally making rules uh, and making law. Policy. Yeah, as we go. They're making policy, even yeah. indirectly. Right. Um, <clears throat> whether or not they want to admit that. And I think that's the issue to run into where yeah. they just they pull the ripcorn and stuff like this. So this could have been retried. Um, sorry. And so <clears throat> continuing on that, that train of thought before I lose my, my issue here. Louisiana, basically, their state legislature passed a law requiring the public school biology teachers, get, they needed to give creationism, and evolution equal time in the classroom and the, the supreme court ruled that that law was unconstitutional because it was intended to advance a particular religion and did not serve the secular purpose of improving scientific education but the key words there is that law giving equal time to creationism and evolution was unconstitutional again because it was intended to advance a particular religion yeah right if it would have been for all religions like every single one of them they could have done it. Okay, but do you imagine that? They'd have to pick out however many, like, the main religions? <clears throat> never. That would never happen. Especially, you know, Louisiana. Know. They're going to teach Hindu. No. No way. I'm going to try to keep this moving along. <clears throat> you might be surprised. No matter what you Hindu, sorry. Could I'd be. I'd say as I do, really. Could be. There's a, I think there's a massive um, Middle Eastern population up in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading about that too. Or there was a documentary I watched on that. So I mean, like you said, there's people from all over in different states. Um, <clears throat> 2005, there was a display of the Ten Commandments in a courthouse. I remember this one. Um, and it was basically a part of a group of cases. So the first one is McCreary County versus the ACLU of Kentucky. 
What a perfect name for a town or for a county. Yeah, right. Kentucky. Yeah, right. And then Van Orden versus Perry. <clears throat> These two cases, um, they <clears throat> they basically pushed for clarification of the of the lemon test, and they were both very narrow decisions. Um, but essentially, what came out of all that was that, <clears throat> um, especially with the and actually a different case that, okay, let me explain something. When these cases may get to the Supreme Court, if there's different plaintiffs on the same side, they roll these cases up into like broader, more wider scope cases. This will happen in what I'm going to talk about later in the Hobby Lobby Stores Inc. case in 2014. That's the, the end of this discussion for my part. Um, but when they roll this thing up, I'm going to like list like the ACL versus Mercer County. Um, that was another decision that was later on but um, it's related to the the other ones from McCreary County in that these plaintiffs keep getting rolled in together when they're going against another side of opposing defendants that are of like interest interesting yeah so you could like you could sue the state of Illinois um, but I could also sue them for a different thing that's related and then when it gets to the Supreme Court you it could be state of Illinois versus Tapp and Miller you know or Let's something like that buddy. yeah seriously it, yeah, totally. Um, so I say all that basically to say that they ruled in twenty, uh, sorry, two thousand five, the end of two thousand five, back in December, that the Ten Commandments uh, on display in Mercer County and other counties that are part of a larger display on American legal traditions in a Kentucky courthouse that is allowed because it's part of a larger display. It's not. It's not championing one religion. Again, because the purpose of the display. It's educating the public on American legal traditions. It's not, it's uh, secular in nature. Yeah, I know, I know that. Yep. Talk about tiptoeing the line there. Um, but contrary to that, uh, 06, May of 06, a federal judge ruled that a cross on public property uh, in Mount Solon must be removed. So, and again, you're going to hear about another cross later on here. <clears throat> Um, I'm not trying to jump around too much here, but there's some interesting stuff to, uh, where is it? And then remember we talked about earlier how they couldn't have a, a, a prayer in school for yeah. kids to recite. 2014, U.S. Supreme Court ruled five to four in favor of the town of Greece, which was the town of Greece versus Galloway. This is the court case. They held that the U.S. Constitution not only allows for prayer at government meetings, but also for sectarian prayers and like predominantly Christian prayers. So you can champion a particular religion um, at government meetings, but not in forcing students to participate in an officially sanctioned school prayer. Well, there's a difference. There is, absolutely. Cause but they're, they're similar. Yes and no. Okay. Let's hear it. I, well, I mean, a school prayer means everyone's going to say the same thing. Yep. And if you just have somebody stand up and do a prayer at a meeting, yeah, it's not like everyone knows the words. That's correct. They don't know the words. So, like, I get up and be like, you know, dear Lord, whatever, and then it ends up to what I'm talking to is like the flying spaghetti monster. Yep. The law or policy must have been adopted with a neutral and non-religious purpose. Principle must primary effect be one that neither advances nor inhibits religion. Yep. The statute of policy must not result in excessive entanglement of government with religion. I think the last one's the one that it doesn't pass, or it does pass. 
for sure. The middle one probably doesn't, it probably doesn't conflict with the lemon test. But the first one, law must not have been adopted with a neutral, must have been adopted with a neutral or non-religious purpose. It's not a law to um, say a prayer at a, a town meeting. But it's not that far, it's not that far from, from the school, from the students reciting prayers. Because you could be a student and you could be like uh, in a, a religious club and we start, we're going to kick this meeting off on school property, a mm -hmm. sanctioned school club event with a prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it, the school's not making you do that. You as an individual, that's why they upheld it that way, five to four, because you as the individual are not citing a predetermined prayer. Yeah. And also, it's not sanctioned by the school. It's just happening on school property at a school-sanctioned event. In the cabinet and pull out a holy book. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. it's a Bible oh, again. Oh, shit, it actually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i hear you man okay so 2019 <clears throat> we're back at the cross stuff man <laughs> the, i know seven two decisions maybe this episode they determined the government maintained peace cross in bladensburg maryland had stood for decades without controversy and thus did not violate the establishment clause and could remain standing so it's been there long enough we talked about that last if it's been there long enough yeah. <laughs> it's established <laughs> so we can't use the establishment man clause. We'll piss them off we take it down now uh -huh. kkk would have lit up a fire on that sucker if you let them i know <laughs> what do they think about that that's crazy i know all right my peace still resistance I'm excited for this one. Burwell versus Hobby Lobby Stores, Inc. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah. So Hobby Lobby, this is one that got rolled up. So Hobby Lobby is a, um, it's a for-profit corporation. Um, there's a, uh, the, the founders, a, a self-made billionaire. I didn't write down the guy's name. That's not really important. Um, and basically, his, it's a family I would call it a trust, for lack of a way. I didn't get a descriptor on what it's actually, whether the family's incorporated or what, but it's kind of like the Waltons with Walmart. Uh, their their family owns the majority, but the employees of Hobby Lobby also own shares in the company. Mm. So it's a um, it's company owned. It's defined as a it's a sorry it's defined as a closely held for profit corporation. Closely held. Yeah, and that is very key. Closely held or keywords. <clears throat> it has to do with the fact that the ownership is majority held by a single or small group of entities. It's not Wall Street publicly traded with sure. tens, thousands, hundreds of thousands of shareholders. Um, I think there's a lot of employees, but I don't know how much they actually own the company. That could come later if anybody cares. But basically, in 2014, what happened was... Um, The U.S. Health and Human Services, under the Affordable Care Act, required that employers cover certain contraceptives for their female employees. Um, and so the Affordable Care Act, it gave HHS the authority to define what contraceptives were going to be required to be offered as part of the act. And HHS determined that all approved FDA contraceptives should be covered. And I think there's like 10 of them or more. I can't remember. 20? Forgive me. The number is not really important, but there's a lot. There's, sure. there's a lot that they're, they're saying that has to be provided. Um, 
And so Hobby Lobby and others, um, one of the other companies that brought up the case was like the Hobby Lobby founder's son created like a religious supply store and they also sued. So it's like they're, they got brought up under the Hobby Lobby name as one of the plaintiffs. Mm. Um, but Hobby Lobby and others specifically objected to one, the emergency contraceptive pills in their various forms and two, um, IUD devices. Mm. Which I find interesting because by the definition of what I read online that these people, and I mean, I say that not unkindly, that these folks um, objected to, I said these, pe- these people, that they objected to, uh, I would have felt like they would be, they reject to all things because there was something about like they defined the, uh, uh, contra- um, sorry, they defined contraception as when, or conception, sorry when um, the sperm fertilized the egg, right? And like they got into a very scientific explanation of like the specific moment that that event takes place. That's when it's a person. Wait for it. Wait <laughs> for it. <laughs> Not yet. Now it's life. Yeah, right? But in legal terms, in legal terms you got to define it. those parameters. I totally get it. So and they, I'm not mocking it. I'm I, so sorry. No, and so they, they said that's the moment that it's a human. A, a person with a soul and so from all that they said well we specifically don't agree with the emergency contraceptive and the iud okay whatever so all the other ones apparently are okay and they're out of the scope of this huh. um <clears throat> so the supreme court because the case got brought up to them they ruled that a close that closely held for-profit corporations are exempt from a regulation um its owners religiously object to if there is a less restrictive means of furthering the law's intent uh, according to the provisions of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, Schumer's Act that you talked about. I know, Schumer did not intend that one. He did not intend that one. Um, So basically, they directly struck down the contraceptive mandate that was adopted by HHS under the Affordable Care Act that was requiring those employers cover the contraceptives that HHS determined. Um, the court said that the mandate was not the least restrictive way of, to ensure access to the contraceptive care, noting that a less restrictive alternative was being provided for religious nonprofits. It was an exemption, basically. Like, if you're a religious nonprofit, you're exempt from this policy. You don't have to provide. It was one of the reasons or one of the ways companies, so Affordable Care Act, they didn't have to provide these things for like less companies less than 50 people and some right. other things. That was one of them. Like, churches don't have to do this. And so they said that existed, so you have to use that. We're striking down HHS, HHS's mandate. Um, but what's funny about it is the court actually issued an injunction three days after they made this decision that said that that program, that exemption program, is actually going to end too because it has to be a government-sponsored alternative. Meaning they can't be policymakers? Correct. Right? Yeah. Right? So it's there. Talk about not making big government. The damn Supreme Court is saying they got to have a government-sponsored alternative to the contraceptives being to be provided because they can't force the employer, the private employers, to provide it. Tell, tell me that's not furthering the Affordable Care Act. Correct. I rest my case. That's good, man. Thank you. That was good. All right. Let's have it. Taxes. Oh, taxes. Let's taxes. do this. I'm energized. Only two things in life are certain. Death and taxes. Damn. 
So what's what spurred this episode is Illinois is getting ready to vote uh, <clears throat> if we want to move from a fair tax to or sorry to a, from a flat, flat tax to a fair tax. <clears throat> and um, there's lots of really different cool ways you could say it, like surtax <laughs> is is a tax on top of an additional tax. So I, I thought we ought to start there. Illinois' income tax right now is 4.95%. So we know. So, okay, Brent, we hear a lot about taxes, and we talk about marginal income taxes, which would be different bracket, different tax brackets. Right. Tax brackets. Heard so, about that. <clears throat> okay. Let's say there are three tax brackets, and we'll make it simple math. 10% and 30% and 50%. Okay. Let's say it's 50% over $300. Okay. Take a guess at at what you think that means. You know, how much do you think you're taking home if you're paying 50% on on the 300? So, if I'm paying 50% on my 300, 150? That's what people assume, and I understand why. It's but half of my money I earned. That's half your money. Well, that's because people look at it in brackets, but we're, today we're going to look at them as cups. Oh, wow. Cool. Can I be Vanna? Yeah, you can, please. So the red straws are what you actually take home, mm -hmm. and the blue straw represents the tax. Yep. So our first tax bracket is 10%, anything under $100. Cups falling. Our next tax bracket is 30%, anything from $101 to $200. And our last tax bracket, or tax cup, is a 50% tax on anything over $200, 200 to 300 Ideally, there'd be more, but I didn't have enough straws to go any further. Nor enough arms. So this is you need one have. arm to describe what's going on. Yeah, I know, I do. Okay, so Brent, as you can see, um, the first year at your company, you made $100. Okay. And there was, that meant you were in the first tax bracket. Okay. Great news. So you only had to lose one straw. Okay. And you got to keep 90. You can keep those out if you want. Okay, so I get so I paid this. Yes. And I get to keep all this. Correct. Cool. So the next year at your company, yep, you like got a hundred dollar raise. Oh man, now I'm making two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks. You're in the next tax bracket. Hundred percent raise. Hundred. I know it's a good company, and you're doing a thirty percent tax okay. on that. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean you're doing thirty percent of two hundred. That means you still have to fill up your first cup. So my first cup here that I've made a hundred, my first hundred dollars that I made, then I still have to pay ten dollars. Ten, ten, yeah, your ten percent. Yep. So now that cup has been filled, the tax has been taken off. You're now in this next cup. Yep. So now it's thirty percent of a hundred dollars. So the next hundred I've earned over the first hundred, I paid taxes on this. This next hundred. Yes. I have to pay thirty dollars on it. Thirty dollars. There should be three straws. I don't know why there's four. Three. Doesn't matter. Yep. So you still have all this money, man. I know you still have nine and seven, right? So that's yep. you know sixteen. Yeah. Uh, no, so uh, I haven't lost a flat forty percent. It was on equal shares of my earnings. Yes. Okay. I yes. follow. Okay. <clears throat> so again, it's not the thirty percent of the two hundred. So the next year at your company, I'll put this back in here. Yep. The next year at your company, you got another hundred dollar raise. You're the best employee ever. Jeez. So now you're in the next tax bracket, and okay. you're like, "Hey, what do you mean? I'm, I'm making." So I make three hundred dollars now total. I make three hundred dollars total, and now I have to pay fifty percent on that. That's only hundred and fifty dollars. That's right. not good. Right. But it doesn't mean that because we have our cups. 
So. So off my first hundred dollars, I gotta pay ten. Ten. Okay, ten percent of my earnings. You're in your next cup now. So right? now I'm in the next cup, and I'm gonna lose thirty dollars of that additional hundred dollars. Correct. And now you're a baller. So I've made a hundred. I've made. Let's see, what is that? One sixty total. One sixty. Okay, so I've made one hundred sixty dollars out of, out of my two hundred. And you thought you were gonna get only. $150. Out of 300 Out of 300 So, so my next this 100. is a higher tax bracket, so yep. you lose half of them. So I had 160 but on this last 100 bucks, I lose half of it. Yeah. So I only so I only have 210 Correct. Wow. So I got a, wow. So each subsequent bracket is what's causing me to lose my additional earnings. Correct. Bucket. But it's still better to have, what do we say this was, 210 yeah, two ten total. It's still better to have two ten than one hundred fifty. Yeah, totally. I get it. You know, so and and that's why I think, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Join us uh, for another video where I show you how to make more tax crafts. Da, 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 da. And I'm only gonna make tax crafts. I'm at the markets cornered in crafts, so I thought, you know what I need? Chris Tap tax crafts. <laughs> I love that's it. hilarious. C T T C. Yes. <laughs> C T T C Incorporated. <laughs> going to be huge. Yeah, man. Those okay. auditors out there. <laughs> so, Illinois, again, is having this problem, and where we have to vote to change our constitution. Yeah, uh, if you want to change it. So, uh, before we talk about that a little bit more, I was going to dive in to taxes. Let's have it. You ready? Yep. Take you back in time, Brian. Hello. The year, 1764. We find Britain in deep ding, debt following its victory over France in the French-Indian War. And as a result, it enacts the Sugar Act, and the following year came the Stamp Act, and then the Townshend Act of 1767. All of these were measures aimed at raising money from the 13 American colonies. They defended our land, right? Where they fought the war. Spent all that money. Spent all the money. George's like, I need to get some of that back. Right. Um, so now the the rates were significantly lower here in America than the counterpart uh, counterparts back home in England. So if you were in Britain as a <clears throat> loyal British subject, you're going to pay more taxes than me if I was an American colonist. Correct, but that still didn't sit well with the Americans because they had no representation of it at all. At all. So they take up the famous cry: "No taxation without representation." Right. I was. That's probably how they sounded. That's what I think our founding fathers sounded like. Hopefully not. <laughs> it's a uh, so our main focus today is going to be on income tax. I'll kind of wrap in some other things, but that's where we're starting. The first federal income tax came during the Civil War. We were broke. It was late 1861. Lincoln signed a bill imposing the first income tax, but it had no enforcement mechanism. So... Nobody pays. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best kind of tax. Nobody can do anything about Nobody it. Nobody do anything. <laughs> Alright, so next year, 1862, a second bill was passed, and uh, that was a progressive tax, or graduated tax, fair tax, all those words mean the same thing. Um, and the tax rates were 0% under $600. Um, I guess say five ninety nine because it was three percent for six hundred to ten thousand dollars. Okay, that bucket. Gotcha. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, at five percent, anything over the ten thousand. So ten thousand and one up. 
Yeah, and the average income at that time was only three hundred dollars. So ching yeah, we're most, all good. Most people weren't paying anything. And uh now Congress allowed that tax to expire in ten years. It was just to help pay for the war pay for the war, recoup, hmm. you know, all that good stuff. So, um in eighteen ninety four they approved a new tax bill only to have it struck down a year later by the Supreme Court. And what the Supreme, uh, basically, it, it was called the 1894 Tariff Act, and Congress could levy a tax apportioned among the states by the census, meaning taxes would be paid not at a same rate, but at a rate based on the amount of people they had, hmm. or would get money based on the amount of people they had, too. Okay. But that didn't go well, and it got struck down. Sounds because, familiar. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, um, in 1909, Congress was like, we know what to do. Let's change the Constitution. That's so, easy. <laughs> was, yeah. So they had the 16th Amendment, and uh, that allowed Congress to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever sources derived. as, um, And they did that as a means to overturn the court's previous 5-4 to four ruling. <laughs> Should have looked up that case. Didn't think about it. That's all right. Now, that was ratified by three-fourths of the states, and it took effect February 1913. Wow. So... Uh, Woodrow Wilson signed another income tax a few months later, and the U.S. has had an income tax ever since. Well, we got to pay for our battleships and military-industrial complex. Correct. And for decades leading up to um, decades leading up to that point, there were populist movements at the time, um, and people wanted to redistribute the wealth because um, there was a growing concentration of wealth and power at the top, and Again, our country was amidst a growing industrial state, and right. the people at the top were making lots and lots of money, and other people weren't. Mm -hmm. So there was a push to remind Americans of their fiscal citizenship. <laughs> okay. I love that. And our shared duties to one another. Yeah, right. And it's very, if you're around wartime footing, and I can see that we're going over well. Otherwise, it's going to be like, well, for who? Yeah, well, and okay, then comes the Great War, or World War One, and this ingrained the tax changes uh, into America. Hmm. Journalist Frederick Lewis Allen uh, wrote, at the beginning of the war, uh, he wrote, a new sense of obligation of citizenship will transform the spirit of this nation. Because they literally looked at it as, we need the money. Like, you know, we're doing important things, we're helping out. I'm probably doing a terrible job paraphrasing that. But. No, you're not wrong because that was a pivotal point. The Industrial Revolution had been going for a while, but technology was advancing rapidly. And you were getting into different things. I mean, around World War... So before World War Two or World War One, that's when they were first starting to get into... Get, uh, starting to get into mechanized warfare with, like, the first tanks and, right. like, vehicles, like, yeah. not horse-drawn. And so, like... They had a whole petroleum and like energy industry and automotive industries that were like coming to less than uh, Ford, Chevrolet, Dodge. Like that was when all those were kicking off. And right, I mean, <clears throat> you can see where before all that, when you're in your horse and buggy, you don't give that much of a crap about how good the road is. But who's going to pay for the roads? Right, you know. And so I could see where all that that becomes that, ingrained. Yeah. So this Lewis, uh, uh, sorry, Frederick Lewis Allen, he believed that it. That this this tax was a way to create a new standard for civic obligation and to make the country feel that everybody paid their share. 
And again, I could see the potential. Yeah. And again, Lincoln, when we started it, had a progressive tax. Just reminding them. Yeah. Um. So taxes, pay, and pay they would. Uh. In April 1917, federal taxes accounted for 10% of the annual revenue, and about 2% of Americans paid. And I looked up that number, and I was like, Why did I say in April? And I was like, 1917. So like. I can't say it because my phone's right there. Okay, Google. I'm like, what happened, you know, in March 1917? And it was the Zimmerman note. Oh, yeah. wow. Right. Yeah. So the Zimmerman note, they inter uh, intercepted. Western Union, they intercepted the note from the German, German chancellor, chancellor to, to the Mexican, Mexican government. Let's form an alliance. Yep. And attack America and distract the them. Southern border. Yep. And we'll subsidize. You can win back Texas and Arizona. Literally, we at that point, or at that point, America was picking, picking weapons and stuff for both sides. Oh yeah, like, we were we totally were, playing both sides. We did it yeah. World War Two also. Yeah, well, yeah, I know it's true. More, more the Allies than the Axis, but Correct. people were people were pandering to Hitler too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, even freaking Joseph Kennedy was up Hitler's ass, man. Right. Yeah, Churchill <clears> got fooled. Um, Hell yeah, he did. So did Stalin. So deadly with Hitler for a while. Yeah, Zimmerman note, March seventeenth, and that ended ended the whole tax not being a big deal thing. So by the end of the war, federal taxes on incomes, profits, and inheritance accounted for eighty percent of the government revenue Jeez. and affected about twenty percent of Americans. Wow. Still a huge jump. Taking a bigger slice. Yeah, huge jump from two percent. Now we're up to twenty percent of Americans paying. Yeah. So with the war came a national inheritance tax and a new top marginal tax rate, as well as some other taxes like an excess profit tax, which was used to combat war profiteering. Oh, yeah, prof the times, you know, man, that's a tough one to define. Like talk about getting slain with that. And you're like, what are you talking about? Sorry, right. the, the top marginal rate was 7% jumped up to 77%. Dang. But we're talking buckets. Not your total income. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So that's why... So Jeff, sorry, Jeff Bezos. When we, when we get up to that top trillion, we're going to take 77%. <laughs> right. Now, a after World War One, the conservatives were able to bring the taxes down. So we were at 77. It, it dropped to 58% in 1922, 46% in 1924, and 25% uh, in 1925 and 31. Wow. So they cut it down big time. Cut it down big time. Now, in the 20s, there was a lot going on from instability after World War One, and there was also, the roaring 20s. again, an uneven distribution of wealth from all the war contracts. I mean, there's a lot of reasons people got rich during World War One, um, And so it all culminates on uh, October 29, 1929, yep. Black Friday. Things explode. Yeah. And so in 1932, we, we elect Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and by Hoover, he, yeah, by Herbert Hoover, yeah, by Hoover. <clears throat> and uh, I read, oh, I was reading this stupid study from the Cato Institute that attacked Del uh, Roosevelt's, FDR. yeah, uh, his idea on taxes, and said like, uh, look at, I think his name was Milton, the Treasury Secretary during the twenties. Like, look at him, you know, that's who we should look at. Everything was going good until the stock market crashed. <laughs> That's just such a weird thing to say. Yeah, right. He was doing good until he fell on his face. Yeah, I know. It was like saying Usain Bolt was about to make the record, then he just fell flat on his face. 
So, uh, okay, FDR had this idea that increasing tax paid by individuals in the higher tax bracket, those over 500000 was the American thing to do. And he also said that, um, that increasing still further taxes on the highest tax brackets with income over a million was even the more American thing to do. <laughs> I love the voice you do. <laughs> increasing taxes on over a million... <laughs> After our family, over a million. That's the one to go after. That's what it sounds like. You see? <laughs> see? Uh, uh, so, in 1932, we get a rate hike again from 25% to 63%. Wow. Yeah. And uh, now... When I'm talking about, like... You're correct. Oh, we're not done. It's we're like, not done. How do you know what you're going to pay every... Yeah, well, we're, not, we're not done going up and down. So we're rich. Uh, we're poor. <laughs> oh, also interesting. Um, getting into World War II, 1940, some income, um, some income tax paid was still around seven percent by that time because margins changed. Mm -hmm. And by 1944, then it was up to 64 percent. Jeez. So big and big jumps on who's paying. So World War II, we went. Um, we went into our old ways of renewing fiscal citizenship. <laughs> and during and leading up to World War II, the top's tax bracket had between a 79% up to a 94% tax rate. Damn. And that was from, the 94 was from 44 to 45. Which of those rich suckers were trying to, they were digging for loopholes everywhere they could find them. Yeah, I mean, that's... In, in, you know, lower my taxable income at all costs. So, okay, this was uh, the 94%. This was on incomes over $200,000. To put that in today's terms, that would be $2.4 million. So if you're making at the two, at the 200, or sorry, 2,400,000, you know what I'm going, yep. $1, that's when you pay the 94%. Yep. On those dollars. And again, there are... So you're paying, of that... Dollar first dollar over the two point four million. That one dollar, yeah, you're paying ninety four cents of it. And I really encourage people to That's go back and crazy, and look at the old tax brackets because they they do a really great job. When you see like how the tax brackets um, have a flat rate and it's the same number all the way down, well then there's a surtax. So then you see how much they're adding for each margin, hmm. and then on the third column you see what that combined tax rate is. But it all starts off with the base because you need that to. Right. To figure out the other numbers. Right. Um, okay, I think it's the end of that page. Uh, 2.4 million today. And um, until the early 60s, the taxes stayed above 90%. Wow. It was up there. So all the 50. Yeah. Hmm. Which, isn't that the time people like... Things are going nuts. It, people talk about how great things were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, yeah. I think we'll even some things out. So... Now, there's some things that have been going on, though. In the 60s, we get Vietnam, yep. uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, and we have Nixon. Yep. Here, Nixon. Here's a little fun bit about Nixon. Yeah, lots of those. <laughs> 1970, Nixon paid $793 in income tax, and in the top, he was in the top bracket. And also, in eight, eight, uh, 71, he paid 879 I was like, am I reading this story about Trump? When I read these numbers, yeah, right. So one of the things he got in trouble for were some um, dubious deductions, if you will. Fair care. Uh, he claimed five hundred seventy-six thousand dollar deduction for donating vice presidential papers to the National Archives. 
and what made it worse was an aide had gone back uh, and post-dated them to actually make it the cutoff date fit right. So he never went to jail, but he had to pay for over $400,000 in back taxes. Jeez. And that's, so he settled with the IRS. And that's where we get the whole, I am not a crook. Yeah, tricky dick. To, to taxes. Yeah. Maybe you didn't know. I didn't know. So. Not to mention all the other finagling he was doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Man. So um, it was 90%. Johnson drops down to 70%. Damn. And it remains above 50% until Reagan... And by the end of Reagan, it's down to 28%. Reaganomics. Yeah, and it was... Two sets of books. In hopes of limiting... Uh, in hopes of limiting government to uh, uh, protect private industry. Oh, private industry. Yeah, right. So George H.W. Uh, we're moving along, people. Moving yeah. along. George H.W. kicks up to 31%. Clinton kicks it up to 39.6%. Clinton... Oh, George W. comes in, lowers it to 35%, and currently we're at 39.6%, mm -hmm. and that is on anything over $400,000, <clears> and if you're married, it's $450,000. Hmm. Which I think it's just, I don't even think it's me. It seems sexist. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's like, you make 400000 good. You make 450 no. At 50 for the white little wife. Little husband doesn't it teaching job? I know, like maybe yeah, that's know. me. I don't mean like I just think the number should be kind of high. There are there. different thresholds no matter where you're at for filing separately or as a single versus a jointly. You can file married filing separately too. Really? Yeah, you do that if you don't trust your spouse. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Why would you even file together at all then? <laughs> like, no way, I'm out of this bitch. <laughs> when the U.S. Uh, income tax started, the tax code was only 11,400 words. Mm. And to give you some perspective on that, uh, War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy is 600,000 words. And all of Shakespeare's works combined, 900,000 words. Wow. I know you can see it, but guess what a modern tax code is? I didn't read that far down in your notes. Oh, okay, good. Well, I don't know. Million? 3.8. Million. 3.8 The average American. So it's spins. three Shakespeare's works plus a little bit of almost four in peace. It's pretty much four Shakespeare's. Four Shakespeare's. Yeah, I mean the average American spends twenty-seven hours preparing returns. Yeah, I my time's more spent gathering the stuff. That I think I that counts. Yeah. I wonder if it counts for me like logging in for not remembering the password. I'm counting it. Yeah, when I go on my tax application to actually do the work, I'd say a couple hours. Yeah, I know. Same. But, yeah, it sucks. <clears throat> now, Illinois' tax mm -hmm. is a flat, is the argument against so we're going, flat leaving, tax. We're leaving the Fed behind. We're going to go to the Illinois state tax plan. Briefly, and then yeah. we're going to wrap it up pretty okay. quick after this. Uh, flat tax, again, everybody gets taxed the same. Yep. Five, four point whatever. Yeah, four point nine i think yep so uh i was going to write down more information about the flat tax but i have to be honest with you it seems mainly based in fear mongering what they're saying is that if we move away from a a flat tax to a fair tax that a graduated tax yes that it'll put all these small businesses out of work or all these small businesses in trouble and it'll tax farmers and stuff like that 
I mean, the farmers one is the only one I haven't really looked into, but they're have. I mean, they're saying that the farmers are making incomes over this amount of money, and same for small businesses. We're not small. Small businesses don't pay income tax. The owners pay. Yeah, depending on what kind of legal entity they are, but yeah. Correct. Yeah, correct. <clears throat> so, um, I I like I personally am leaning towards the fair tax and. And again, I just can't find substance. There's claims that it's going to allow them to tax retirement incomes. Well, the truth is they could do that now, but the the voter or uh, the well, I guess voter support for that is 23%. Right. That's political suicide. Mm -hmm. And again, you democracy doesn't fail you. You fail democracy. You gotta hold your people accountable. But Correct. As of right now, it, it... Not even a proposal. Yeah, and if you get on the fair tax website, the first thing it says, will not tax retirement incomes. Right. I'll link you. I'll put the links below. You can read it. It's AARP not. got on, has endorsed it. Um, and now, the way they describe it, it says it gives legislature the ability to raise taxes only at the top. Because right now, they can't do that. So, I would... I disagree with that statement a little bit in the sense that it's not just at the top. Like, they can make the brackets whatever they want. Correct. But it allows them to make the brackets instead of it be a flat rate. Yeah. I get what you're saying. What's the opposite of fear-mongering? Oh. Calm stoking. <laughs> It'll be like, well, if you're not mongering, if you're not going to, like, stoking it, then you're, like, leaving people alone. So, <laughs> sitting in silence. <laughs> We'll get back to you. <laughs> Anyways. We'll get back to you on this one. Well, the antithesis to fear-mongering. And that, that was the other thing. They're saying it's not a job tax, which, oddly enough, there's not a thing called a jobs tax. It's very much a word made up to fight. Right. Yeah. Making up something at all costs. Hey, uh, I'm sorry, guys. You can't see what I'm looking at. But that's that thing we talked about on our uh, Forgotten Technology show. Oh, yeah. Terracing. Yeah. Yes. Good, man. I remember some things. That is nice. <laughs> Um, okay, so in Illinois, 1960, the top 1% took home 3.4 times the median worker. Okay. But according to the Illinois Economic Policy Institute, a place I visit frequently. Of course. Uh, by, 20... newsletter. <laughs> by 2014, that gap grew to 14.3. Jeez. The way they actually say it is at least 14.3. That's a big income gap. Mm-hmm. From 1960, when we had a nice, good tax rate at the top margin. Again, Illinois is a little bit different. Yeah, Illinois is unique. Yes. Now, nationally, 40% of all wealth is controlled by the top 1%. Yep. Heard that. In 1970, the richest controlled only 10%. Right. Historically, American has kept this kind of inequality in check by a higher tax rate at the top margins, but now the top margin is still the, like the 37, I think it's 37 percent currently. Right. And it's allowed, like, and it's been a sustained. Right. So. And, and when Illinois raised taxes temporarily from 3 percent to 5 percent, analysis from the Better Government Association found that lower income people left while the rich people stuck around. Meaning, Illinois is boxed into this corner where, constitutionally, we're only allowed to tax people currently at a flat tax rate. We need more money because of a ballooning pension deficit that we have. Mm -hmm. and, and our hands are tied, the government, the lawmakers' hands are tied, because 2% of income of people at the bottom, that's a lot of money. 
That's bread, that's eggs, that's milk. To rich people, another 2%. Well, I think it's a proportion deal, right? To, I mean, of the wealth. So I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And again, we just, yes. So um, in six of eight states that enacted a millionaire tax since 2000, private sector economic growth met or exceeded those of neighboring states since they enacted tax. And we've talked a lot about it. Contradicts and, things. People saying we'll kill the economy. Yeah, the one, pe- the one, <clears throat> the two places that didn't, um, I can't remember what the other one was, but the one that didn't work out um, specifically was Connecticut. And it, Connecticut had a lot of other things going on. So there's a reason people that are against the fair tax use Connecticut a lot. Right. Fits your narrative. Fits the narrative. Yeah. So. We've talked a lot, uh, Doug, to you listening, thank you. Um, we've talked a lot about income tax. And if you look at that alone, you may say, well, the rich are already paying their fair share in this country, mm. not in Illinois. Stepping back a little bit. Okay. So, yep. yeah, you know, we have the, is this going to look right? Is that the right yeah. way? Going up. That's yeah, so going up. Going up. And um, that's how it would look. But, so you think the rich are paying their fair share, but even if you look at the income tax, the corporate and property tax, and the state tax, you'll you'll still get that look like, oh wow, the people at the top do pay so much more, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you add consumption tax and payroll tax, you're gonna find that most Americans are paying about twenty five percent of all of their money income to taxes while the richest are paying closer to 22% of their incomes. Because hmm. consumption tax to us is a huge part of our budgets. Like, if you have millions If you of, define consumption tax? Sure, yeah. If you go to the store and you buy pants or food, there's going to be a tax on that. Right, That's your sales tax. tax. Yeah, gas tax. So why do millionaires pay less sales tax? Because they have more money. It's a percentage based oh, on you're percentage just saying, of income. Okay, you're saying it as a percent of their income, what they pay, that it's, it's less. It's nominal, yeah. Okay. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. So why, you know, why? you can't fix that. You can't have a graduated sales tax based on your income. No. That would be. A, how would you do it? How would you do it? Right. I'll go on there. I make $5. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I need I this thing free. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no tax for you. So, um, again, it it may, it it doesn't sound like much, but if you consider the 2% versus 22% versus 25%, but again, um, if you consider how progressive taxes are supposed to work, where the rich are giving a higher percentage of what they get, it's a very broken system in our country right now. Mm -hmm. We're all paying about the same. And, and. That's Even between 22 and 25 percent, it's not that much difference. That's what I'm saying. It, yeah. it should be. I mean, why why is somebody making 30,000 have to give 22 percent of their income away? 25 percent, even I should have picked a number I could do math on. Hundred thousand dollars give yeah. away 25,000 for somebody who makes two million dollars and they're going to give away 500,000. Like mm-hmm. they're not hurting for somebody as much like you. It's it's a different ballpark. Yeah, I think and the only argument I see, forgive me. No, you're good. The only argument I really see that's a, that goes against that would be that, and again, this is not something that I'm you know, uh, supporting, but I would just say that the only argument I could come up with against that would be that if 
if you would take it too far, well, really at any level, but if you were to take it too far in terms of how you taxed the rich, it, it would be possible for someone in their circumstances to argue that, well, now you're flying in the face of capitalism because you're telling me uh, there's a cap on how much I can make. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, yes, and no. I and and I get that. I yeah. do. And I'm not again. That. I'm not. I'm not saying that's the, that's where I'm going to stake my line in the sand. I just feel like, like we've talked before. I I'm not like a champion for rich people out there or anything. Right. My thought is, my true feeling is that you need. You know, you have to have the whole spectrum of incomes. Otherwise, you don't have. The wealthy that put money back into programs that we need, but also I think that there is a there is a valid point. It shouldn't be thirty seven percent of people making hundred million hundred billion dollars or whatever. To know? use our that made up scenario <clears throat> I had, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year and you're paying still twenty five, let's just make it simple, twenty five percent, you're you're only accruing seventy five thousand dollars actually. Yeah. Know, to, to better your life, to try and I mean correct, that's it's seventy five grand. Right versus the. The guy making two million pays. Well, just do a million. million. Huh? Sure, yeah, doing a million. He's bringing home seven fifty k every year. Like, he's gonna get ahead much faster than someone who's able to put away just seventy five thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, so at 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 that point, it's like it doesn't even feel competitive. No, and, and it and, perpetuates. And that doesn't seem like capitalist either. Well. I don't really want to go down that path because I mean, the, in the truest sense, it is a complete free market. I so know. Let's I, let's I, let's, let's but, shelf that one for now. Well, but again, but it's maybe not American. It's not American, and again, you have a. I like the thing I used earlier: the fiscal responsibility. You have a, a civic duty Correct. to to help. That's America. That's America. Totally. Yeah. So, um, just a couple statistics, and I'm I'm done. Um, the five highest income taxes in the country right now is California. Which has a thirteen point three, Hawaii, which has eleven, Oregon, which has nine point nine, Minnesota has nine point eight five, Iowa has not eight point nine, eight point nine eight. Hmm. I know for certain most of those are progressive. I do not know if all of them are. I would assume so because I refuse to believe anybody is getting taxed that high, on top of federal income, by a state. Maybe Probably. at the lowest end. Yeah. So I, I know California. That's that's the high end. That's the top margin. It's thirteen point three, and so I also know if you combine sales and income tax, um, which I think is telling, you the top five are New York at twelve point seven, followed by Connecticut at twelve point six. New Jersey is at twelve point two. Troubling thing: California, Wisconsin, Illinois all tie at eleven. Wow. And that is my concern with Illinois. If we are going to already be that high with a combined sales tax, and now we're going to increase the income tax, we either need to be averaging that out with tax cuts to the low middle class, or we need to be finding other taxes we could retire at the local level. Why would we do that? Why would would we ever do that? Well, not... (laughs) Excuse me. Now, well, one reason why you would want to is because to your your point, you need to be able to offset somehow. Yeah, correct. Oh, and yeah, yeah. But local is so, they they need the money to have to get to state level. Oh, I know. But think about this: someone's going to pay for that. Someone's going to pay for that. So if the local municipalities aren't going to lower their taxes to offset the higher state income tax, then the state's going to have to do something to pay those localities. 
I don't know. And that's what me and Chelsea got into that too, because we were talking about how I think they're they're starting to make Amazon pay sales tax based Correct. on your state. Correct. That didn't do crap for the local economies that lost their Macy's or their Sears. No, no. That's, like, that's literally just state income. Yeah, and that. That's what. That's what. That's why malls are getting destroyed. I know, and that's why local government is so important right now, mm-hmm. guys. Get involved with your local government. Malls are going to become Amazon distribution centers. Oh, uh. I like I like how we're starting to reclaim events or like uh, not events but um things to do. I don't know what the right word. Oh, just saying? yeah. Because now it's elevate. Now it's not a shopping store. It's elevate, mm-hmm. or it's that kids bounce place, wherever the heck it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like I described elevate twice, but I really was meaning two different things. You're correct. I, I think you know what I'm talking totally. about. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other bouncy place here in town. There's one of them. Uh, jumping, jumping jacks. Yeah. Oh, in Peoria, that's. Uh, there's one. Goes. There's one called Elevate though in Peoria where you guys like trampoline. That's right up. here. They put that in the shop called Chop Hill. Pretty sure they have another one in Peoria though. Yeah. So. Yeah, they put it right next to Planet Fitness here. There you go, man. I feel like I should like try to go run. You know, like run a five k and then go try to like jump on the trampoline, <laughs> do leg day, do a five k and then go to Elevate. <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I see those kids bouncing around. I'm like, I would break my neck. Dude, that's my biggest fear. Like, I hate being, like, I don't want to be a helicopter parent. I really don't. But, mm-hmm. like, at the same time, I'm like, that is objectively dangerous. Stop doing that. Dude, I tell my kids all day, every day to stop doing things that I know I'm not letting them be kids to do. But I'm like, like today, Eleanor's screwing with the gate latch. I'm like, don't put your fingers in there. She's going to get pinched. Guaranteed the wind's going to blow back and going to bite her finger. And it's like, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. And I'm like helicoptering, but I'm not letting you get your finger pinched off. Everyone's like got her fingers in the door crack in the bathroom looking through. I'm like, stop. Harry's like playing with the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're just imagining that sucker. Yeah, dude. I remember that story with you, too. Yep. Door. Yeah. Anyways. So, hey. This is a good one. Yeah. This is our 26th show, uh, Separation Part 2, and text, text, taxes. That's right. I don't think we have a theme yet for the next one, but stay tuned. It's going to be good, like this one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably another week. Hopefully. Knock yeah. Knock sucker out. That would be good. I definitely got... I got another uh, production gig. Yeah. So I'm doing another mix for another person. Hustling, hustling. I know. Growing a business very slowly. That's right, man. But uh, I'm so glad you guys took the time to watch us today. And um, I forgot to look at the camera when I started talking about taxes so i'm gonna have to review the film to put the timestamps in so if there's time stamps, i got it you did yep nice I wrote it down. <sighs> teamwork yep. all right everybody i'm gonna grab the mouse now so i can be ready to stop this but i don't have to be looking off screen to the last thing i will look deep into your lovely eyes and say thank you i hope you have a nice day have a nice week that's right take care folks we love you we'll see you soon goodbye <laughs>